1: Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening.
0: Greetings gardening friends and today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. Faye Acaro is here, I can see Bev Derring ready for your phone call and John Glidden is standing by. You all know our number, 94841927. You can go to gardening at curtainfm.com.au and send your question or message to us that way. Uh, Ellen Simon certainly set the pace this morning with a program filled with fabulous songs and Rob Miller helped him do it. Thanks, boys, very, very much. And of course, Jim Crinan with the cycling wrap-up and you will catch Jim next Saturday morning. Caro Good How morning, Ray.
2: Oh, what a week. Yeah. A week of cold and frost. I don't think there's been a morning this week where we didn't have ice on our verge. And I yeah. reckon this morning could
0: have been the coldest. Yeah. So yeah. hence, I didn't bring you a bucket of flowers today. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah No, that is perfectly <laughs> all right. I understand it has been very cold. And uh, yeah, it's... But the days have been glorious. If, if you're in you... the sun, it's lovely. If you're standing in the sun, it's lovely. When you get in the shade, you can, it's, it changes, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, it
2: sure does, yes. Finding that sunny spot in the garden without any wind. And, and days following frost are often quite glorious. So yeah. we should make the most of it. Embrace winter. There's only 66 days left.
0: Not that you're counting <laughs> or anything. My goodness. Well,
2: something to look forward to if you like warm weather and you can't leave home.
0: Yeah, well, okay. I, I I get it. I get it. But no, it has been, uh, yeah, uh, a, a, a chilly week for everybody. But still opportunity to get out in the garden today is the perfect example of that, I think. And to get out there and do as much as you can before the rains do come probably later well, tomorrow. And setting yourself a little task, you know, nothing too overwhelming.
2: If you just say, mm. I'm just going to weed this little pocket here, it might mm. be, Right close to the front door or the entrance mm. to your property makes a difference. And, doesn't and once it? you start, quite often you can't stop. You'll go, oh, <laughs> but that's I need the problem. Change. I
0: can't stop once I get going, and this leads to this leads to this, and I'm out there for hours. Mm. Oh, I know well. I can't help it. Yeah, once well, you get going, the way going. It should be? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the way it is. Now we had a wonderful result from Radiothon, and I just wanted to thank uh, everyone who supported. Let's talk gardening, and of course, in turn. Actually supported curtain radio. Um, I know you love it as much as we do, and uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We ended up with an official tally of one hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars five. Sorry, I'll say that again. Actually, one hundred twenty-seven thousand five hundred and fifty-five dollars. And of course, what tends to happen is donations still do continue to trickle in, if you like. So I know that that tally will increase even you know um in the next few weeks as well but that's the official number which is pretty pretty snappy fantastic for one week. and that just shows the loyalty and support and gratitude of the listeners and uh, it helps we're
2: very grateful for that well it helps we, keep let talk good. going doesn't it <laughs> we had a, a great result in our show yeah uh, i think about four thousand dollars came in in the two hours that we easily, were on air, so that easily. was great. Yeah, no. And it was lovely to talk to
0: a couple of the listeners that called in. Afterwards, yeah, mm. it's always lovely. I really enjoy speaking with the listeners, so I actually love Radiothon. And I love being on the phone and I love talking to people because I think you get a much better feel of our audience that way. And that's what I think is really great about what we do here. We do get to speak to our listeners and, uh, yeah, you feel... It's, it's nice to be able to interact Sure. Yeah, you're not talking at people, you're talking with people. That's what I enjoy. We've got Chris Oliver on the phone today. We're going to get to the bottom of this kiwi berry mystery. And a special guest in the studio this morning is Ross Hooper from the fabulous Santhony Nursery. We're talking natives. I can't wait. We, we are. And we're
2: talking a bit about when you look at them up close. And I thought we might even delve a bit into how to take a better photo because yeah. we do get sent a lot of photos. And if... If I could just give uh, people yeah. a, a couple of tips about getting a better photo. Great uh, idea. Experience for them to get more enjoyment. I I love photography you and do. being able to see things up close that we can't see with our eye hmm. is just quite incredible. It's a whole new world opening it, it up. It is. Now, today I've posted on the Curtain Radio Facebook page and I've done a little slideshow that shows Uh, 10 images of of flowers. Mm. So, you know, it just gives people something to look at to, um,
0: you know, if they want to ask questions or learn more, give us a call. Absolutely. All right, we're heading to Dianella. Caroline, good morning. Good morning,
3: ladies. Hi, Caroline.
0: Hi. (laughs) Congratulations on the wonderful um,
3: effort everyone made.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a a great week and uh, strongly supported by all the Amazing volunteers at this station, uh, which keep this station actually the wheels turning, I might say. So it's just amazing to see everyone pull together like that, Caroline. And of course, you know, strongly supported by the listeners. Couldn't do it without the listeners. Absolutely. Mm.
3: Yeah. No, it's really. really I was. It always amazes me. Like you finished. <coughs> you finished it, and then there were still people sending stuff
0: in afterwards, wasn't it? Oh, sure. Oh, always. Was. It happens every year. Mm. It just keeps on yeah, going. Yeah. yeah.
2: Caroline, are you getting frost where you are in Dianella or is it just cold?
3: It's just cold. Well, not not actually at my place. I'm not getting frost. I don't know. I think some of the people near the water might be getting it, uh, the, near the lake. Um, mm. I, well, my problem is this front bed of mine. Always has been. I'm still struggling with it, but I, I put in these pig, this pig face. Um, it was all all my plants were just green all through the summer. I had no flowers on them at all, and I had been giving them stuff. And then I got so I bought this pig face with these really pretty pink and white flowers. Now they're just little spindly little stalks with nothing mm. on them, and I I don't know am I supposed to leave it, cut it back, or pull it out?
2: Now, when you say spindly stalks, are they getting too much water?
3: It could be because I mm. it's a, cause of, I but I watered it all through the summer too. I'll tell you what I did do. I put some. Um, oh, is that what's happened? I put some of that water uh, saver right on, a crystals or crystals. yeah. Okay. And I, now my now the lavender's flowered. There's flowering on the lavender and there's flowering on the daisies, the ones that I've struggled with all through summer that wouldn't do anything. Okay.
2: So part of it sounds like the timing. Uh, You've you've got plants that may have struggled in the summer, like a lot do, and that might be to do with with temperature, soil, winds. We had quite a harsh summer and the winds were hard to keep up with because... we lose a lot of moisture uh, through yeah. transpiration. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say they've come into their own now, they're happy and boom, it's their time. Mm. Everything you've done preceding now has mm. set those plants up to flower. With your pig face, they don't need a lot of water. They're succulents. Yeah, so,
3: okay, so I'll water around them and no water mm, on them.
2: I, I suspect that their roots may be sort of um, bordering on rotting and that's oh. why the leaves are spindly. They they like full sun, and they should do quite well without very much care at all. So you might be giving them too much love.
3: Oh, I I, <laughs> well, I do, I do. I've been I make sure I water on them. Uh, you uh, think I killed them? So I pull up once they, they look really ugly. These this.
2: Okay, well, so you've got permission to pull them up, put them into a pot, keep them in a drier position. If they come back, they come back.
3: Oh, but, that's
2: a. Yeah, don't let them destroy the look of your garden bed and oh. and the pleasure that you could have out of that by putting in something that is flowering or giving winter colour. And do you know, when I drove in today, I, I was greeted by the aloes and the pyrostegia, the uh, trumpet vine, orange trumpet vine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I just suddenly got this flash of all the things that look fabulous in winter. So if your garden's looking a bit lacklustre or you've got a gap head out to a nursery and mm. get something that's in colour so that mm. you can create colour in your garden all year
3: round. Yeah, that's, that's what I like, colour in the garden all year round. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: And I've got lots of gaps.
0: Oh, oh, lucky you. I'll be filling those in pretty quick, Caroline. <laughs> yeah, oh,
3: i was been trying to fill them in. i put things in and then they die. And then I find something else and i put it in. And,
2: and you know is what? Any... The best <laughs> thing about filling gaps is you're not then competing with weeds. Because if mm. you've got a plant growing and it's yep. filling up the space, you've virtually yep. got living mulch. So yep. each yep. year as plants get bigger and bigger,
3: there's less weeding to do. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they say that... Our clematis was hard to grow here because it really needs cool roots. But I read this thing that said put it really deep to keep the roots cool and that really worked well.
2: And I think you put a brick you put a yeah. brick
0: on top of the roots, on the ground? Just to protect it mm. a bit further from the heat getting directly at yes. the root base. I place. Yeah. Put, put a
3: piece of um, fake grass because I wanted to keep them cool. Oh. And the thing, it died and I thought, oh, well, that's it gone. So I threw the piece oh. of fake grass away and then suddenly it popped back into life again. Well,
2: yeah, the there's something it. in that, Caroline. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. But no, a brick, because it's yeah. clay, I'm mm. guessing, and porous, it will take, take up the heat and protect
0: right. what's underneath. Yeah, whereas oh, right. I can do that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Plastic definitely. grass just gets hotter and hotter. Yeah. Oh, yes it does. Yeah, so it it does. would have fried. So, yeah, be. you've got a project. The roots Matt. are in a
3: pool in shade during the day, but the but the plants right up in the sun and they said that's what you need. Keep the roots in the shade and the top in the sun.
2: That's it. And it just happens
3: that, that that's the way it happens. I put it up a I cut a palm tree in half. I didn't chop it off, pull it out. I cut it in half and I've grown it up the palm. Mm, Nice. Nice idea. Lovely. right. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks
2: for the call. Thanks (laughs) (laughs)
3: for your call.
0: Bye. I absolutely love clematis. I really do. Aren't they just spectacular? Oh, they are stunning, aren't they? And people that know what they're doing that grow them. Mm. Uh, You know, quite often when you go to see open gardens and they might specialise in them, it really is a treat. It sure is.
2: There's There's some unusual things out there, isn't there? Yeah. Speaking of which, I received an unusual thing this week, Ray.
0: I saw that. I know you've been busy again. I was very envious. I'm chained to my computer and all of that all week, and you're out there gallivanting.
2: (laughs) It's not fair. It's my my homework. Right. Okay. (laughs) Yes, I was out shopping, but my friend Shirley has delivered this week some pretty... Surprised plants to me. One being something I have never seen before. It looked like a very large robust fern but it wasn't a fern, it's a succulent. It looks cycad as well. It does. It mm, does. Mm. It's a fern leaf orchid cactus. Yes. And it's just amazing. It, yeah. If I stand with my arms out, it That's... is that big and it's in a hanging basket. It looks like a mega on steroids or as you say a cycad. Uh, so I'll be giving that some serious love and and maybe down the track propagating it so when that we I get can some shoot. flowers it might get some flowers and it's it looks very much like the flowers of the dragon fruit or yeah the moon which are cactus yes very that's what similar. it reminded
0: me of when mm. you sent a photo of what it will do uh, exactly how it, what it reminded me of I just wondered when you'd actually get the flowers what its season is but uh, that'll be spectacular in a hanging basket and yes. as you say very unusual. who mm. gave it to you Shirley Oh I, I, she's clearing her her <laughs> garden out issue. <laughs> she's just moving some things around. Oh my goodness so. well she has everything. I um. know and
2: so I saw this figure outside my my door and I thought gosh what's going on there and I walked out there and there was all these ripsar-less hanging baskets being delivered.
0: To you, mm. from from Shirley. Yes. <sighs> okay. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> because you know I'll share. So, yeah.
2: Because I have to. Yeah. And, and last night I went shopping at the local grocery store. You know, I don't like shopping much. And April said to me, oh, you know, if you go up there, at least you can look at the plants. That's and right. And I got up there. I know. You wouldn't believe it. They had ripsalis Ripsalis and philodendrons.
0: I was like... It's just ridiculous. It's it's a sign. It is a sign. (laughs) And you managed to hit a nursery north of Perth. Yes, yes. I
2: was out there... Oh, because my camera died this week, so I had to go in to the hospital. Hmm. And uh, I just popped in. And for the people that were looking for poinsettias poinsettias last weekend... Lansdale Plants had them. They have some. As, as soon as we walked in the door. They and they there. might actually be popping up around the place at the moment because with Christmas in July,
0: there is a demand for them. Oh, really? Mm. Oh. Yeah, they're very Christmassy. Yes, so. of course, I know. But I wasn't thinking of Christmas in July. So but my other
2: purchase, and I, I sent Ray a photo of a plant sitting outside of the passenger door. Mm very leafy the leaves on this plant are once again if I put my arms out that tall so the plant stands about six foot tall and it is a philodendron stenolobium and it's just amazing it's huge and I had to put it in the front seat of the car lay the seat down, tuck all the leaves
0: back so they're in the back so I could see out the window and strap it in with the seatbelt. Oh, it would have been an effort. So what's the difference between a plant like that? It reminded me of the elephant ear. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it goes upright. It being a philodendron, it will
2: probably happily climb. And like the other philodendron mm. that, that Jim snapped off in here one day, mm. uh, it'll climb up a tree. So I think that's that's what I'll do with that's it. What you'll They'll be very it? happy. Naturalized in the garden, they love uh, a bit of protection. They don't like really full sun because they're a big leaf plant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And often the rule is the larger the leaf, the, more, the less light. Yes. yes. So that's a tip for people looking for for plants for low light conditions.
0: Yeah. Big exactly. leaves, low light. Okay. Now we've got uh, three double movie passes to give away this morning. I will tell you all about it in a moment.
4: In Perth.
0: You're listening to Ray and Faye on Let's Talk Gardening and we welcome your calls 94841927. Now, as promised... I have three double passes to give away to the Revelation Perth International Film Festival. It's returning for the 1st to the 11th of July, presenting over 35 features and documentaries. It's celebrating its 24th year, and the Revelation Film Team have personally chosen a number of movies that would resonate with our loyal Curtain Radio members and listeners. So, you must be a Curtain Radio member. Give Bev a call on 94841927. If you'd like to go along, I will mention a couple of the movies just to... Wet Your Appetite, Cry of the Forest. Faye chose this one. <laughs> Cry of the Forest takes viewers to the heart of the forest to see firsthand the beauty of these towering ecosystems and the life they support. These are all documentaries, by the way, and I chose one, Miss Marks, tracing Eleanor Marx's life from the death of her father onwards through her politics and activism as well as her personal life. Miss Marx paints a fascinating portrait of the socialist and feminist. Now, if you'd like to go along, three double passes. Give Bev a call now on 94841927. Revelation Film Festival kicks off July 1. Okay, hop to that. And we've got Chris online. Now, last week we had an interesting question about kiwi berries. And so we're actually expanding on that now. We have much more information to share. Thanks to Chris. Good morning. You're with Ray and Faye.
5: Good morning, ladies, and good morning, listeners. Good morning. How are you,
2: Chris, out in the cold weather already?
5: Yes, a bit nippy this morning. My fingers are are quite sort of getting a bit cold.
2: I can can imagine, because you're at a busy bee, aren't you?
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: In the
0: garden or inside? In
5: the garden, yes. We're pulling weeds and uh, pruning roses, and that's main job today. That's your
0: own garden, Chris?
5: No, down at uh, the Anglican Church at Gosnells.
0: Oh, okay. Good boy. Right.
2: So, Chris, we're following up on last week's call about the kiwi berries, and you've done some homework, and you're now a full bottle.
5: So, Oh, yeah. Let's hope I'm a lot more enlightened.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, what can you tell us about growing kiwi berries?
5: Okay. Kiwi berries, of course, it's a, as I suspected, it's a close cousin to the, 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 the normal kiwi fruit, yeah. and of course... Um, uh, like the kiwi fruit uh, which is supposed to be of course from China as we know Chinese gooseberries this uh, kiwi berry is from Japan but it's still been inherited by New Zealand as it looks like as a <sighs> kiwi berry but it's um, it's a vine of course uh, all those um, species in uh, the genus Actinidia are all vines and uh, this is a, a vine, and very similar to um, the, the normal Chinensis, which, of course, um, uh, you need two, as we know, to a male and a female plant to get um, pollination into the female plant. But I'm looking forward to tasting this fruit because uh, yes. it's apparently um, much sweeter and less acidic than the, the normal Kiwi fruit. So that sounds exciting, but... Um, yeah, so you need two, a male and a female. Uh, they reckon that one male, uh, one female to about five or six, um, yeah, if you're wanting to plant that many. But uh, all you need is one of each, basically, to, to get um, fruit. And you could expect about three years, they reckon, to um, to get your first fruit on the kiwi berries. And uh, They're about the size of a grape, a, a large grape. Yeah,
0: and of course.
5: They don't have the furry sort of skin that the kiwi fruit has. They're not smooth skin.
0: Like that. So
5: you can pop them into your mouth like you do with a grape and uh, enjoy the flavour. Yeah, Mm. I can't wait to try some, Chris. I wonder Mm. if
2: you can buy these in the shop and grow them then from seed.
5: Yeah, well, um, I'm not sure. I haven't seen them in in the shop anywhere. I've Mm. never sort of come in contact with them as a... You know, into the uh, any of the supermarkets or uh, green grocers. No, I haven't sort of come in touch. I'm, I'm eagerly waiting to taste it. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I guess if they're from Japan and or China, they they yeah. don't mind the cool weather so much.
5: Exactly, and uh, they have very few pests and diseases. Ooh. But they do prefer a sheltered site, mm. um, but they don't like our hot easterlies in the summer or our freezing cold, but they can tolerate the cold much better than the uh, the hot, sort of, drying easterlies. Um, so, um, yes, it's a very interesting um, fruit, and um, I'm looking really forward. Very hardy plant, <laughs> too. Right. Hardy plant, well-drained soil it, it, it survives in. It doesn't need a lot of nutrients. They seem to be pre- fairly hardy, like the kiwi fruit. Um, but uh, they do fruit better if if you have a little bit of cold, apparently. That, mm. uh, like cherries, I, I believe, that uh, they do better and fruit better with a bit of chill, yeah. chill factor. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you can eat them whole and punch uh, them up and enjoy them.
2: Mm. Oh, I imagine they'd look pretty specky on a pavlova, wouldn't they? they dis- yeah. with the
5: yeah.
2: strawberries sure. and a drizzle of passion fruit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. certainly enlightened us, Chris. Oh, good, yes. And the last
5: thing too, pruning, you can prune them in winter uh, because they are deciduous uh, and to shape and just thin thin laterals out. So you don't need a lot of pruning, just training initially and away they go. Hmm.
0: All right, we'll definitely have- one to put on the on, into, onto the bucket list or the project to do list.
2: Now, what yes, we might do trailer. is see if John can do a search and see if he can find any available or
0: find yeah. out who
2: stocks them mm-hmm. and or grows them. Yeah,
5: yeah, let me know. I'm, I'm eager to taste. Right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you've mentioned that a couple of times, Chris. Maybe maybe a listener will help us out. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
5: Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> Stay right.
0: tuned. All right, thanks a lot, Chris. Have a great day. Thank you Bye. Thank you Bye. Cheers.
2: I love him. I think he's just great he He is and when we were watching him last week he I think it was with this question he He just like pumped out the information it's like you've pressed a button yeah. and pressed the go mm. and he just delivers the information yeah. it's yeah. quite interesting to watch fascinating yeah,
0: yeah. it's like a computer mm. and it just all this information just flows. Yes, no, it was absolutely wonderful. So, okay, I know we've got a couple of calls sitting there. I think poor old Bev is run off her feet out there. So let's let's look at cracking through a few emails if we right. can, please. So
2: I just wanted to acknowledge this email that came in from Shauna and she says we were talking about rats and possums and relocating a Fasca from a roof and mm. someone called in to say that it was protected. Yeah. So it seems that... You know, rats are, are a, a bit of a menace around the place, and but no, we have a lot of native animals. So I've made a bit of a list, there are bandicoots, brush-tailed possums, faskagels, porteroos, honey possums, dunnats, antichinus, chew and native rats. So there's a lot more in the mix that we really need to protect and learn a bit more about. Mm. So. Shauna had uh, recommended that we contact Kanyana Wildlife Organisation which I did yesterday and I spoke to Sarah. She said that possibly the best person to talk about this might be the hospital manager. So just wanted to let everyone know that it is still on the the agenda and we will get to that in upcoming shows. I think it's a, a subject really worth doing properly. Yes, I agree. Raising awareness. Now, Suzanne from Shoalwater called in last week and she was describing something white and perhaps powdery that was clustering over her rose stem. Yes, remember. So we got some photos sent in Mm. and what it looks like, there was evidence of what looked like, it looked to me initially like an egg casing that had opened, but is actually rose scale. So for that, uh, maybe put on some gloves and rub the stem. You could wipe with a damp cloth or methylated spirits uh, because it's coming up to pruning time. Yeah. If it's higher up the stem, you may cut it and remove the infestation. Mm. Uh, you could also use something like an eco oil to smother it and that would all, always help. But it does rub off very easily. Okay. So, And the fact that what I could see was open. It may already be dead and finished, and just the the shells left
0: behind. Yeah, exactly. So what that's rose scale. Yes, what mm-hmm. you do want to
2: watch out for too is the presence of ants with any scale, because scales can give off honeydew, and the ants actually stroke that. and milk. The ants uh, the scale Scal. for their honeydew and mm. move them around mm. like farming them. And mm. uh, Jeremy sent us in a photo of uh, the the old fashioned potato vine yeah. or potato plant uh, Solanum. Not I can't remember the the last name. Uh, purple with a yellow center. We I often them. see them as mm. standards. I
0: love them in a standard. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. So this one has. Been transplanted about two years ago it's taken a while to set settle in he realizes that it is winter but the plant has been struggling and wants any tips on getting it to bloom better the history is he hasn't pruned it much at all so rule number one Jeremy prune that mm. will help it um, it mentioned that it does not bloom well but seems to be deteriorating. So the leaves look small. So these are, are often very good growers and they do respond very well to being pruned. So if you wanted it in a standard shape, I would take to it with head shears and clip it over into a nice type shape. lovely shape, shape yeah. Um, give it a chance to then come back because where you've cut it back to, it'll put out some new growth. But if anything's dead and dying, back at the centre of the plant, cut that out as well. Now, last weekend we talked a little bit about fertilising, which I, at this time of year, I wouldn't use so much a granular fertiliser because it may be washed away with the rains, but Chris talked about an organic fertiliser. So something that um, is manure-based, something like a pelletised sheep or chicken, something like dynamic lifter, something along those lines, Mm. Uh, go-go juice, something that's going to actually stimulate the growth of the plant, but nothing too heavy. And and a bit of mulch around the bottom to protect the roots. And then springtime, I would give it some controlled release fertiliser, something Mm. that's got more potassium in it. So you're looking for something designed for flowering and fruiting plants. Give it a boost
0: along. Or you could
2: also give it a liquid of the same sort of fertiliser and that will ta- be taken in through its leaves and it will respond a little bit quicker. Okay. okay. So I, there's hope for that. Okay. It should come back very well. Now, this is an interesting one from Carol. She's in Waterman's Bay. They've got a small fire. It produces three trays of jarrah wood ash each winter, mm. which she doesn't want to waste. She wants to know, can she sprinkle it on her garden, which is mixed with natives and others, Are there any plants that might really like it, like hydrangeas or roses? And being that it's not a big amount for ease, I know that I just empty my fire out and go and sprinkle it around the roses and it just all mixes in. Yeah. The the thing about it, potash can be quite alkaline, but it does take an awful lot of anything to move the pH on the scale. Mm. And I had an experience where I was making a new bed, I wanted to grow potatoes in it. And I used a lot of ash and coal from a fire that had died down, an open fire out, a bonfire. And when I did a pH test, it was off the scale alkaline. And I thought, oh my goodness, nothing is going to grow in this. It was up around nine. Uh, Anyway, I, I planted the potatoes to see what would happen. Absolutely no problem. No problem at all. So then we ha- we talked to Ellen a few weeks ago, and she talked about how plant roots are so clever, they can actually change the pH initially mm. right around their roots. Yeah, amazing. So, I know. you know, that it's a rabbit hole. Uh, you know, how do you explain what we know is too alkaline and you shouldn't overload it to there's no... no Different. So it's negligible. You know, if you're worried, Carol, you might throw it into a worm farm or compost bin and just mix it up so that it well. is uh, diluted. But really, you can throw it on your roses or anything else, no problem at all, just fine. a light dusting, I yeah. would say. I have got more emails, but did you want to go to something <coughs> okay. else, Okay,
0: um, let me see. You were talking about your purchase and Sally of Henley Brook believes Your philodendron has been reclassified to a thanmetophyllum. Thanmetophyllum. I did see that. Uh, When
2: I was Googling, I did see a couple of plants that have been reclassified Mm. uh, under that name, which I had never heard of before. So that's quite interesting. Interesting. Another uh, rabbit hole to look into. Uh, I I guess (laughs) they're still under the Aroid banner. So when... When I kind of say I collect philodendrons, uh, it's probably the aroid, aroid family, apparently. and you can imagine how big that Enormous, is. Enormous. Yeah. Well, it, it includes the spathophyllums and the anthuriums, anything that's got the flower that is a spatics, which looks like a shield with a central inflorescence. Mm-hmm. Botanically speaking, thank you for that, Rita.
0: And Rita of oh. Vale and Leslie of Jane Brook have advised kiwi berries are available at local supermarkets, and they've seen them at the Malaga markets as well. Right. Okay. I
2: meant to say thank you to Sally for the information on the yeah, philodendron. Yeah, yeah. But yes, thanks, um, ladies. I thought I may have seen them. I think I've seen them in like a little punnet. I think so too. Mm. And mm. I didn't buy them. I just no. went, oh, okay. Mm. But now, <laughs> more <laughs> we're, homework. We're on a mission. We're on a mission. Oh, okay, now. Thank you to yeah. all our listeners that give us feedback because we we learn so much, I don't thought we? they might, yes. Mm.
0: Okay, and do we have one more email? To yes,
2: leave? well, this Uh-oh. this is something that, People are seeing a lot around at the moment and it's frangipanis, particularly as they're losing their leaves. This email comes from Phil and says, love your show. So thank you to that, Phil. I've attached a couple of photos showing something on one of our frangipani trees. I've not seen these before. I'm hoping you can tell me what it is and why. Now, the what people are seeing are the seed pods and they're very interesting. This Mm. whole family, Apoconaceae, have a seed pod that is uh, long and slender, but it splits two ways, so it's almost like a Y shape.
0: I brought mine in. I'll go and get it out of my bag.
2: Oh, please do, Ray. Carry on. Uh, People are probably seeing these more so now as the leaves are dropping off their trees. Oh, that's a big one, Ray. Okay. (laughs) Now, this... Uh, the one that Ray's handed me, uh, the seed pod would be probably each wing. I guess is probably around 20 centimeters, maybe a bit yep. more, mm-hmm. and and very plump. Mm. Now, shall I do a Jim Crying and split it? You may as well. Okay, we'll, you're see, we'll see. We'll see if it cracks. Here we go. Oh, it yeah. Okay, it did split. I was also given one earlier this week and and it was much smaller and shriveling these can take 10 months to ripen on a on tree, tree a very long time how yeah. long do you think this had been
0: going for ray oh it's been for a number of months okay. but i don't think it's been 9 months okay so it i guess well, you sappy. you picked it I did. It, the other day, I just thought, oh, I'll take you off now. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> As and I was walking past, he's yeah. been there for a long time. Yeah.
2: So what's happening now is the sap is bleeding. Yeah. It, it's not ripe and no. that's what I expected. Um, yeah. It happened to the same one. I just went, okay, I'm going to cut, cut one of these and see what's going on. Mm. Um, they need to be left on the tree mm. and it will let you know when it's ready. By splitting. They will, Start they will, they will swell. They will dry. Yeah. They will split. Yeah. Now, as it gets closer to the time that it's ready, put a paper bag or a net over it so that it can continue to do its thing, but you don't lose, lose the, the seeds. seeds. But I'm pretty sure that they hang on to their seeds. So if you were checking it regularly, mm. you you would be ready for it. It's no point picking them before they're too early. No, nine months.
0: No, it's my my fault. Well, yeah. it's
2: sometimes it's how we learn. Uh, mm. They do grow very easily from seed. So we'll talk about that later. And we'll probably have Nellie t- Tarchek t- t- back on the show
0: in August. She's, she's a frangipani expert. So there we go. Okay. All right. Uh, 94841927. And when we return, hopefully Ross Hooper will be joining us. Curtain radio. We appreciate your company this morning. And Ross Hooper is uh, only a few minutes away. He'll be joining us shortly. Uh, now, we've got a few comments that we would like to read out. Jill Bicton, in regard to poinsettias, don't put pot on granite or marble as set marks and cannot be removed. Glass is okay. Oh, I wonder if someone's done that on a
2: bench top. Bound to have. Way. Yeah, okay, oh. that's
0: interesting. That's a, that's a good tip. Thank mm. you, Jill. And Le- Leslie of Jane Brook, uh, can a five-year-old Bougainvillea in a pot be put into the ground? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you can give it, do anything. <laughs> give
2: it plenty of space. Uh, they, When they're happy and because they're so hardy, they will just grow and keep growing. So I
0: love them. My husband hates them and we've got a couple that I've let go and that's that's why he hates them yeah you've got to really keep them in check right I love mm. their bracks. I love their colour they're so hardy and they're looking good at
2: the moment too mm. this is the mm. thing you know mm. like when something doesn't require a lot of care if left alone and it survives our hot sun mm-hmm. and just performs the foliage looks fabulous and the bracts just adds so much colour and there's such a, a rainbow of colours of mm. them. Mm. Yes, mm. A, a great filler. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes, okay. And I think, Bev, do we still have a double pass to give away? Okay, she's uh, busy out there. I have a feeling with the movie passes we may still have one available, but let me confirm that. And we've also got a $75 voucher to give away from Bigger Trees too coming up. Now
2: more um more on our winter flowering plants and of course stars of the season are orchids because many of them flower through winter i've got a couple of uh, cymbidium orchids in flower now so they're looking stunning and and one's been already flowering for three weeks and hopefully the other one will follow on from that so there is an orchid and garden fair coming up on the 4th of july from 9 to 3 p.m. It's one day only. There will not only be orchids for sale but potting demonstrations. Uh, there will be African violets, bromeliads, gerberas, fertiliser, cultural info, demos all day, pot sales, talks, much more. It's a, so it's a garden fair as well. It is. And Bruce will be joining us next, next week. Next Saturday. Now, tips just uh, for, for people orchids. out there wondering right now. Mm-hmm. The, the print is sm- so small here. I don't know if you can read that, Ray. but what oh, I do, yeah. What I have remembered is that right now, because it's cold, you don't need to water
0: your orchids, okay? Mm. Um, but okay, Bruce will be yeah. joining us next week. Yeah, he's saying here um, that they don't like wet feet. And he says, Bruce says, he doesn't like wet feet either. (laughs) (laughs) And you need to protect the plants and flowers from the winter rains and watch out for bugs at the moment. There's a lot of flower spikes that are forming now for the late winter, early spring flowering and you do need to protect them. Okay, so be very aware at the moment and all this weather we've got coming in, uh, don't water them and be careful that they don't get too cold. Good morning. We've, we've, got <laughs> we've just got Ross, Ross joining, joining us now.
2: Yeah, so with your orchids, maybe bring them under the patio yes. and check them regularly because, not that I've seen them yet, but the big furry brown caterpillars just love the new buds. Yeah, so and they're that's one
0: heartbreaking, of, one right? Of the
2: pests to look out for. Now, I don't know if there's too many other pests in the garden at the moment,
0: Ray, uh, because
2: well, of the cold. Well,
0: snails are doing their thing out are there they? big time. And uh, yes, so they're doing a lot of damage in the vegetable gardens, uh, obviously, and caterpillars are pretty rampant as well. And uh, I still see my grasshopper mate out there doing oh. a bit of damage. He seems to be like a, a, a an all, all-rounder, that boy.
2: One of them moved into my happy plant mm. and has left its mark autograph yes. on them. <laughs> Good morning, Ross. Lovely to have you here with us.
4: Yep. Good morning, Faye and Ray. <laughs> Thank okay. you for joining us. How and- are you? Uh, going well, just a little bit late this morning. That's
2: quite okay. Oh, look, I stayed in bed and, and I said at 7 o'clock, oh, I'm supposed to be driving out the driveway now, and there was I not even moving. I knew how cold it was. Do you get frost up at, up your way?
4: Uh, where I live, we don't really get the frosts. So it still gets cold, but only down to about zero in the coldest part of winter. <laughs> mm. So oh. no frost, really.
2: Mm. And I love that you've brought in your camera, Ross.
4: <laughs> i brought in my camera, just a bit of uh, show and tell. That's the one that I use for my macro photography. Um, and I brought in a few photos for visual prompts as well. So Excellent. I'll have to describe some of these later. You will.
0: For okay. sure. All right, just quickly, we're in South Lake saying hello to Nola. Good morning.
6: Hi. Hi, Hi Nola. I heard you talking about rhododendrons earlier on. Um, I've been trying to get one for some months. Um, I'm not having a great deal of luck. Do you know anywhere I can buy?
2: Rhododendron or philodendron? Oh, you were talking about philodendrons, weren't you? Yes, yes. Do you oh, have a rhododendron? No,
6: I want, I've been trying to get a rhododendron, but I can't find one anywhere. Nobody has them. I
2: no, and you're not alone, Nola, because they are affected by a, a myrtle rust, I believe, and that's why they're not bringing them into Western Australia. Ross, do you know about the status of r- rhododendrons anywhere
0: at the moment? Um,
4: I'm not. I'm not too familiar with rhododendrons, uh, but I do know that they're hard to get hold of. Mm. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Have you oh, tried okay. John Cole's nursery, Nola? Yes, I've tried. tried him,
6: and I. I spoke to them and they gave me that information about the fact that they'd had issues with some of the, as the rust or something on them and they weren't bringing them in anymore. Oh, so, yes. So, so I
2: think yeah. there might be a couple of nurseries that are starting to grow them from cuttings, but oh. they, they are as rare as hen's teeth. Okay.
0: Mm.
6: All right. All right. Then thank you. Anyway, I'll keep an eye out. You might strike
0: one somewhere. All okay. Right, Good luck, luck, Nola. Thanks, Nola. Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye. Okay. Short break. Back in a moment. Curtain
6: Radio.
0: This is Let's Talk Gardening and we have our special guest with us this morning from the fabulous Xanthorea nursery, Ross Hooper. And forgive, every, forgive me, everyone, for my voice. Uh, I apologise. I've had a heavy cold all week. Yeah. Well, Which at is, least you're here, Ray. Well, I do my best. As, we'll yes. Take
2: you as you are. So oh,
4: thank you.
2: <laughs> so Ross, what's happening in the nursery at the moment? Is there lots coming into flower?
4: Yeah, there's um, winter. Winter's a good season for things coming into flower, uh, and all the water and rain seems to make all the colours brighter and mm. brings out some of the, the smells. So we've got um, grevilleas and couriers starting to flower. Mm. Um, yeah, Every, so everyone probably nice. doesn't
2: know what the couriers are. What's their common name? Native fuchsia.
4: Native fuchsia. Mm. That's right. So there's there's a range of different couriers. There's, um, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're a good one for shady gardens. They, they grow well in the shade um, and they're quite hardy. Um, just a small shrub so yeah. they don't get too big.
0: And it'd be great to come and see them now because you're getting an idea of the colours that you're buying. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, not just looking at the picture. So, yeah, that's it's well worth going and having a look, isn't it?
2: Well, our native plants are ideal choices for gardens. Recently we've been asked a bit more about choosing trees for spaces that don't have invasive roots. And, of course, probably our natives are one of the best for that because... They, they're hardy, they're suited to the soils, and they don't go seeking water like mm. a lot of exotic plants would. Have you? Oh, now, Ray, do you remember that yellow flowering gum yes. that we saw outside of the South Perth Civic Centre? Yeah. I don't suppose you know what that one is, Ross, putting you on the spot here.
4: Uh, well, not knowing the gum tree specifically, I could name a yellow flowering gum and maybe I get it right so it, it um, just
2: was like lemon sherbet with a grayish leaf and it,
4: appeared, and it,
0: it appeared to be a medium-sized tree mm, about mm. three,
4: mm. mm. three to four meters three to four meters and it, it didn't have red caps on the no ends, the no yellow no. red cap gum um yeah I'm not too sure you took specifically. some photos
2: mm. I did and I came across them the other day and then they disappeared again.
0: I will find it. And guess what, uh, Nola, if you are listening still, uh, we have a listener who has a rhododendron that she wants to give you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. You know, ask and you shall receive. That's, That's one of amazing. your comments. So, Nola, if you're still listening, love, give us a call back and uh, we will connect you with a very generous listener who has a rhododendron for you. How oh, wonderful. We
2: don't know the person's name. Uh, thank you. But thank you. That mm. is... That's extraordinary. And we also
0: have uh, prize winners. We also ha- have prize winners for the three double movie passes uh, to the Revelation Perth International Film Festival. So thank you for playing with us, and we'll give away the bigger trees, seventy-five dollar voucher in the next hour.
2: Mm, very good.
0: Sorry to interrupt. <laughs>
2: so, so yellow flowering gums that are small.
4: Uh, <clears throat> so yes, there is the Eucalyptus erithrocorys, which is the Red cap gum um, or the Iliari gum, and that one goes to about four meters uh, has really nice bright yellow flowers. Um, they can often grow a little bit uh a, a little bit unusually they're not always straight up, so sometimes it's they need a little a bit, bit like of training mm. um, yeah, there's other yellow flowering gums, uh like the yellow bloodwood um, that would be a nice one as well um. But uh, yes, when you're bringing it back to small trees that don't have invasive roots, uh, there are a lot of native plants that will do that job very well. Uh, We can't group them all under that category because there's obviously some native plants that do have invasive roots as well.
2: And in that case, are they more likely the East Coast varieties? Uh,
4: Yes, that's right. So the East Coast, um, or some from the from Queensland. There's native ficus that, you know, certainly you don't want to plant too close to things. It'll move things around. Um, but uh, if you're looking at any of the hakias or grevilleas, there's some hakias that make lovely small trees. They won't mm-hmm. have invasive roots. Or the grevilleas, there's some tropical grevilleas, like pink surprise and things like that. Uh, They can be a lovely small tree that produce lots of flowers and they won't have invasive roots.
2: We like that. And of course they attract a lot (coughs) of birds and wildlife as well. I know the the red-tails and the white-tailed cockatoos have been in our yarry gums this week, chomping on the nuts now that the flowers have finished blooming. Mm. It's just delightful. I came down the street yesterday and just glance, like, my car is only not even a metre from the tree because the tree's sort of leaning over, as you say. And there was a half a dozen red-tailed cockatoos in it. Yeah. Just, you know, quietly chomping away on the nuts.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. They're not fringy. always quiet. <laughs> no, no, they're not actually, but it's joyful, right? Mm. Yeah, to see that. How wonderful.
2: So that's some of our small trees. So tell us about the photos that you've got here and we'll we'll do our best to describe to the listeners.
4: Well, I've got a stack of photos here and I guess it just brings it back to why I enjoy photography and, and especially the t- discovery when you find something that you didn't see before. Yeah. So yeah. in this photo... Uh, I was taking a photo of the uh, wedding bush, the Ricinocarpus tuberculatus, and, um, and when I p- looked at the photo on the screen, there was a white flower spider uh, with a, pra- with a, a, a mosquito uh, in, its, in its mouth. And it was eating it. But I didn't see the spider at all. It was so well camouflaged. Exactly. It's only when I brought it out onto the computer. So a white spider on a white flower. And I just thought that was fantastic.
2: Oh, that, it sure is, yeah. It's, um, so for the listeners, the camera that you're using to get these shots is what's called an SLR camera, digital single lens reflex so it That's does right. it does a quick shot I know with some of the automatic cameras or the pocket cameras you take a shot but there's a delay and that really m- made me want to to get another camera that would give me a quick an shot instant, yeah an instant shot mm. even with the phone photos sometimes mm. you press the button and by the time it takes it's the photo moved. Your insect's gone. Yeah.
0: So that's a bit of a difference with the camera too. All right. We have to go to the 9 o'clock news. We can pick this up on the other side. 9 o'clock, everyone. (laughs) Jumped up to 8.4 degrees now. It will maximize 19 today and it will be sunny and the minimum overnight will be eight maximum tomorrow of 18 there will be showers possible storm may expect 15 to 20 mils of rain and on monday the overnight minimum will be 10 with a maximum of 19 and showers and you could expect four to 10 mils on monday so we're going to have a nice wet end of june and we should really bump up the uh the the numbers for our average of June it's going to get very very wet. Well, and great I've news heard, for our gardens.
2: Great news and Great news wild for wildflowers across for the everyone. state. Yeah. It's there's already a lot flowering and native orchids out there are starting to flower earlier, some of them up to 3 weeks earlier, which is quite unusual. So
0: it should be a bumper wildflower season, which is great while we're all at home. That's right. Yep, that's right. People are looking for things to do, places to go. And uh, I believe everywhere accommodation is ramped, you know, right up, you know, between now and obviously if you're heading up north. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, it's good. It's good that everyone is getting out there and doing things. We're,
2: we're blessed to have a wonderful state. Somewhere to, to go, places go to explore. Yeah. Mm. Now Kay has sent us an email, and she has a challenge for us, Ross. She has a strip of garden that's one meters by six meters long. It's in scorching full sun all day in summer. She's contemplating the following, Indian hawthorn, which is rap- raphaelipus, caprosma, or Miss Muffet. She'd like to shape them to a compact Semicircle or dome look and wondering what you think is the hardiest and best suited to shaping or is there something else that you would suggest
4: yeah so i'm i'm not too familiar with um, <clears throat> growing those ones listed because i'm more familiar with native plants um, uh, so in the blazing sun there are some natives that will do well and that you can still hedge or use for topiary um, one of them that comes to mind is the Baikia vegata miniature. Um, it's a it's a tough, long lived, dense um, plant in the myrtle family, uh, and it's really good for topiary.
0: Ah, nice. But it's
2: got some other benefits as well, hasn't it?
4: It does. Yes. Um, I mean, when it's flowering, it's very attractive to native bees. We we recently had a bee survey done at the nursery. Oh. Um, Kit Prendergast came on separate occasions four times and counted the number of bees going to different flowers. And the Bakea agata was one of the favorites. So if you like your native bees, it's a good one for them.
2: I've often talked about this one at different times, Ray, because it is an insect magnet. It's attractive to to wasps and flower flies and a range of different insects and beetles. So Does it have a
0: common name? Uh,
4: Not a very flattering one.
0: <laughs> I, Go ahead. I think
4: it's twiggy myrtle. Twiggy myrtle. <laughs> it's a dwarf twiggy myrtle. That's all right.
0: That
2: works for me. The uh, I've got two varieties. It started off with one that now is uh, about a metre and a half tall, covered in white flowers in the, the flowering time, and I just fell in love with it. And from there I went and got the the mini uh but it, it certainly is a favourite. It's just so green. And actually, what I remember when I got the first plant, one of the reasons was I wanted foliage for floristry. It's a good filler. Um, not so much if it, if you've got the mini one, but certainly the big one. Sure. You can take bunches off it and mm-hmm. make a good filler to bring into the house. And you also s- suggested some other possibilities that could work,
5: Ross?
4: Yeah, certainly with hedges, like if it's, a, you know, making a formal hedge, um, plants like the native rosemary will work well, which is Westringers. Um, and then you'll have plants like in the Correa group, the Correa alba is the toughest one in a sunny position. And um, that's a white flowering native fuchsia. That's right. White flowering native fuchsia. Um, and yes, I've seen it made into balls, uh, topiary balls, yeah. and they look really good. Great. Mm. So
2: my suggestion, Kate, just be careful, you know, if you're going for a plant that you want to hedge, I know you might not mind hedging, but if you choose a plant that naturally will grow to about two metres in height, you will spend far more time hedging it than enjoying than, it. Than, perhaps uh, a Mm. variety that only comes to a metre, depending Mm. on what height you want it at. If you wanted it to go to two metres, then you go for a larger
0: variety. Yeah. Great information. Mm. Now I can see free lines 94841927 and you can email us as well, gardening at curtainfm.com.au.
2: Ross, what have you got next for us?
4: Well, in,
0: face in heaven, on my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
4: the next observation that I, I'd like to talk about, I've got a photo here of the Grevillea Ellendale pool, which, again, is a very tough native flowering now. Um, and when it rains, one of the best times to get out into the garden to do photography is after it rains, maybe not when it's raining, but when it rains and then the sun comes out and you've got all these water drops on the flower. And it's it just adds that extra level of detail. And the observation that I find really interesting is when you look at the water drops through a a lens and you can blow it up, um, the world's reversed in that water drop. So at the bottom of the water drop, you see the sky and left is right and right is left. So you get some really interesting details uh, when you look at water drops. Uh, hanging on a flower in in a macro. Mm.
2: It's magical. It does add another dimension, doesn't it? And, of course, for folks out there, it doesn't matter whether you've got a fancy camera or a pocket phone, you can still go out there and try some of these things. And, of course, tomorrow with the rain, I challenge you to get out there in between the showers. And take happy snaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wouldn't we love to have everyone sending in our... Well, I yeah, would love everyone absolutely. to send in our photos. Now, often we ask people to send in photos and and it's obvious that some do struggle getting things in focus. So I thought maybe we could talk about how how to do that. You know, if you're doing it... I know, if you're doing it with a phone... Sometimes the camera struggles to actually get things in focus. So you might have to back off a bit. And I know with my phone, if I just touch the screen where what I want is in the centre, it might be the bug in the centre, I tap the screen and it focuses in on that. If it's trying to go for something behind, what you can do is uh, put a leaf or put your hand behind the subject and that will shorten where it's trying to focus and that can help. Now, once you've got that, there are often settings where, you know, it might show you three drops, two drops, one drop. So the three drops will be the bigger, the landscape shot. So if you're sending us a photo of a plant, show us the big shot first, where it sits in the landscape. Then go in... For a smaller photo or a closer up, and we might see the leaf or the detail that we're after, and then you can go for the smaller mm. focus, which brings everything
0: right up close. Oh, because I often see photographs with the hand behind it, and mm. that's why. Okay, that, it it helps to get focus, I and it doesn't matter if the the
2: hand is in the background. Yeah, because hand actually gives you scale. When we're doing macro photography, yeah. one of the things that happens is we've got no idea how big something is. And, and mm. I must admit, when I'm looking at a tiny bug, I almost can't gauge how big it is because I'm looking at it through the lens of the camera rather than in the scheme of things. And the photos that I put on the Facebook page, I was trying to get a photo of a fly. But what I actually got in one of those photos was the tiniest beginning of a wattle flower bud, which was the Acacia pulcella. And one of the subjects I talked about at the camera club was patterns in nature. Oh my goodness, have a look at that photo. The detail and the symmetry was phenomenal. So you had all the, this green overlapping plant material, but in the center, there was a dot of color and then I took another photo recently of rust on a leaf in a mm. plant and it looks like a miniature landscape. It looks like all these little flowers that have opened a up. A whole new world opens it's up. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I I would love for people to get some joy and, and better experiences with their their photos and I hope. This little session can help
0: help them with that. Okay, we're heading to Queens Park. We're talking about shell grit. Hi, Karen. How's it going? Good morning. Good morning, everybody.
1: Uh, it's not nice to get old and become forgetful. <laughs> I heard in one of the garden shows or I seen it on television that I should buy some shell grit uh, for something, and that's a while ago. And I bo- and finally bought it i don't know anymore which which tree or which plant i should use it for have you got chickens karen no
2: well i know that it's very I beneficial to that... to put in yeah, no, with it chickens a,
1: put, it, put it around a tree about, around the, the lemon tree or something i can't remember and this is so parents. annoying <laughs>
4: oh. ross do, well, you, do uh, you sell shell grip for any particular um, purpose we don't sell shell grip at our garden centre for any particular purpose. I guess it would add some calcium to the soil, slowly breaking down if mixed in, which would be beneficial to some plants. It certainly isn't going to do any harm. So you could but, put it around the garden, but I'm not sure which plant it's for.
1: Ah, good. I can't remember and I can't read this a while ago and, and I've written it down. My, on not, my a, not a
4: deterrent I for finally snails. Bought
1: it which, but would it hurt if I put it around a lemon tree? Does it need calcium?
4: It, it certainly wouldn't hurt the lemon tree.
1: Uh, okay, so I'll, I think it might have been that lemon tree or orange or mandarin tree, so I can put them around my my uh, citrus trees. You,
2: you you, could do it. It wouldn't do any harm, Karen, but if your citrus tree has a calcium deficiency, oh, I reckon there's far quicker ways of rectifying that than putting shell grid around.
1: Okay. Mm. Uh, good, I'm sorry. I can't... It's... I'm so annoyed with myself <laughs> because it's quite a while ago. And then now I thought, oh, a good idea, I buy shell grit. Yeah, I well, certainly remember what it was
2: for. if people have got chickens, they'll put shell yeah. grit in their mix because it helps harden their mm-hmm. eggs. Sometimes chickens will lay soft eggs
5: yeah, yeah and it's yeah, because no, it's they
2: need calcium. The other thing you could add it to is your compost or worm farm and Although it won't break uh-huh. down quickly, no. it will add to the diversity of mix.
1: Okay. Okay, good. No, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I'm annoyed with myself. Never mind. <laughs> okay. okay, enjoy that. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay.
0: Bye. 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 Okay, and we do have some more free lines. I shall let you carry on with your... Photographic lesson. Oh, I love Photography lesson. Ross's next photo.
4: <laughs> yeah, the, the next photo um, that I I took, I've got a, a little caterpillar here in the photo, but the way I found it was because I was gardening and I wasn't wearing gloves. I was just gardening out and then all of a sudden I got a sharp pain. Oh. And, um, and rather than take it out on the caterpillar, I quickly put it down somewhere, and then took a photo of it, so that I'd have a reference at what caused me this pain. Um, and it comes from, it's, it's the cup moth um, larvae, and when it gets annoyed at you, or frustrated, it puts out all these spines, uh, and it can be quite painful. And I guess it's another reason why you should garden with gloves. But <laughs> yes. it was it was quite a uh, exciting find in some ways. Once the pain subsided a little bit, um, and it's a very beautiful little uh, creature. Um, more beautiful when it's angry.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, he's so very handsome. So Describe him for everyone. He's gorgeous.
2: Well, it's green. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> got well, but it's a soft green. Yeah, um, yeah he is a very soft green with couple of yellow lines and a central orange type line but it's putting out all these anemone like spikes that yeah. are yellow yeah. uh, and it's got got this on the front and back end and it's actually got a face yeah um, not sure if that's the back it looks or the like front a little end.
0: cartoon image
2: I, it does yeah. and you know what you rarely see these because they are so well camouflaged so what area were you gardening in Ross?
4: I think um so i was I was pruning and and collecting the pruning, so I think mm. it was actually from a uh, eucalyptus tree, the okay. um well, it's now Carimbia Calphiilla, the Mary tree mm-hmm.
2: um, right.
4: so that's I'm pretty sure that's what it was on,
2: oh. and you know when you go looking for this sort of thing, often you you don't see things at first glance, if you're going on a bushwalk. You wouldn't see something like this. No, absolutely
4: like not. You'd, you'd never see it. It'd be up in the tree somewhere. You wouldn't notice it. He made
2: yeah.
0: himself known.
4: Very, yes. very well known to me.
2: <laughs> one, one of the things that I do quite regularly is stand and scan, and I'm scanning every leaf. I'm particularly looking at the leaves that might have been nibbled. Uh, sometimes I'll see a pair of antennae from something that's hiding behind the leaf, and that's that's my signal. If you do stand or sit there long enough, and I'm talking five minutes, almost without moving, then the, the world of creatures starts to become relaxed about you not being a threat, mm. and you may detect slight movement. So a leaf beetle may crawl up the tree, and there's some beautiful colored... Oh, Ross is going through.
4: Well, you're absolutely right, looking for something being eaten is a good place to start. And I have another photo here of a leaf being eaten out by another caterpillar. This one's from the case moth. Uh, So they create uh, a casing around themselves to protect themselves while they go and munch on your plants. Um, and, And often this case is made up of what they've been eating as well. So in this photo, this case has got bits of leaf sticking there it kind of looks like a shaggy little uh, beanie on top of it uh, but you can see the actual caterpillar um coming out the end and and having a munch so that's um yeah so look for leaves that are being eaten and there's often something that'll surprise you
2: well those those case moths bag and case moths people would recognize what we're talking about because they've probably seen something that's built like a a log cabin yep, crawling along right. the patio or stuck on the side of a wall. And the the Caterpillar is actually inside, as you say, carrying its, its home around with it as camouflage. Okay.
0: All right, we do have to go uh, to a break, but I'd like to give away our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees Nursery up in uh, Pickering Brook. And I have a question for you that... Uh, John has uh, formulated as always and uh, you must be a Curtain FM member please and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Here's the question. In the lyrics of English Country Garden the song names Gentian, Lupin and Tall Watt. So I'll repeat that for you. In the lyrics of English Country Garden the song names Gentian, Lupine and Tall what? What flower is that in the Song English Country Gardens? If you'd like $75 voucher to get up there and have yourself a good shop at Bigger Trees Nursery. Uh, she's got a lot of uh, bare root stock coming in right now, ornamental fruit trees and a uh, great supply of citrus trees and, of course, everything in between the fabulous shrubs and indoor plants and succulents and native trees, you name it. Uh, it's, you'll find it up at uh, Bigger Trees Nursery in Pickering Brook okay 94841927 back in a moment Curtain Radio. 25 minutes after nine you are listening to let's talk gardening special guest in the studio with us this morning from the fabulous santharia nursery prize-winning nursery, award-winning nursery, I should say. Uh, Ross Hooper is in the studio with us this morning and we're grateful for your company, sir. Thank you for having me. And we do have a winner for our voucher to Bigger Trees and the question was, in the lyrics of English Country Garden, the song names... Gentian, lupine, and tall watt. The answer is hollyhocks. So we do have a winner for the fabulous seventy-five dollar voucher to the bigger trees nursery. Have fun with that, and let us know what you end up doing with it. We like to hear on the other side, don't we, Faye? We surely do. All right, let's head out to Mundaring. Margaret, good morning. Oh, good morning, everybody. Hi, Margaret. How are you today? Oh, good, good.
7: Thank you. Um, I just a kiwi berry. I would just like to know you need to buy two how are you one is one to know that you are actually being sold a male and a female plant second question is how far apart do you grow them can they share a fence or do they have to have two separate areas to grow as a vine
2: right okay i do have three pages of notes here on them oh. so i will when I get it- a break, Margaret, I will look through that. So that's um, how do you how can you tell the difference between a male and a female? Well, hopefully they they are marked when you buy mm. them. Do you come across kiwi berry plants, Ross? Uh,
4: I'm not too f- familiar with the kiwi berry plants. I do know some of the natives that require a male, male and female. You can't tell them apart at the young stage and. Sometimes you should buy three just to increase your odds. Pinch
0: your bits. But, um, yeah, they should
4: be labelled when you buy them, and then you can buy one of each.
7: You hope they're labelled
0: correctly?
4: I, I hope they're labelled correctly, yeah.
7: yeah. Yes, that is a problem. That's yeah. the, the nursery people.
2: Well, I wonder if the plants differ in their look or whether you have to wait until they flower.
7: Yeah. So would one find this on Google, I suppose, would we?
2: Ah yes, actually, John's sitting out there now. Maybe he can he can have a look. How do you tell the difference between a male and a female kiwi berry plant? So maybe at what age, and how far a plant,
7: how far apart do you plant them along a because fence? I was thinking if you if you plant them a meter or so apart, could they share a fence so that they're intermingled? That's I've, what I was thinking. Well, and sometimes you can plant things in
2: the same hole.
7: Yeah. Yes, that's right. But yeah. if
2: you do have them separated, you can tell who's doing what, and and in the case of pruning, that may be easier too. Yeah. All right. There's still more for us to learn, Margaret. Thank you yes. for your questions.
7: Well, I was just thinking, uh, my family in Albany would re- be very keen to grow. That's what I was thinking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, and thinking that they'd like the cold, but yes. not the not the uh, not the salt air, so to speak.
1: Mm.
2: Protected position.
0: Yeah. OK. Oh, mm. listen out. Thank okay. Bye. Thanks Bye for now. Bye. Cheers for that. And we're still in Mundaring. We're chatting with Des about sweet potatoes. Des, hi.
5: Hi. Uh, about a year ago, I planted a couple of sweet potato tubers and they grew like mad and uh, covered the whole garden bed. And uh, anyway, I decided to dig it up the other day and there's only, only one potato in there. What oh. do I have to do to make it produce?
2: Uh, one of the things to do is cut cut the stems so that where they develop roots, they develop tubers. So what you've dug up, you could replant in a in a trench and maybe allow them to grow up a fence.
5: Oh yeah, as I tore the vine out, it, uh, I could see there were lots of uh, tiny roots uh, starting off growing in the ground. But uh, yeah, I had this huge. Our uh, coverage looked very healthy, but uh, yep. no <laughs> so, spuds. Anyway, so I just keep trimming the vine and uh, yeah, transplanting it.
2: I would just go through with, uh, if you can leave them where they are even, go through with a spade and chop, chop, chop.
5: Uh, ah, yeah. yep. And yep.
2: that will help.
5: Jolly good. Mm. I'll be going chop, chop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have fun with that, Desk.
5: Yeah, bye-bye. Okay, bye.
0: Okay. And the winner of the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees is Carol Quick from Subiaco. So thank you for playing with us, Carol, and I believe you are very quick with the answer. We're going to have to make these questions even harder, <laughs> John says, so look out for next week because uh, oh. he, he enjoys a little bit of trickery. Okay, have fun. She, she must have just known the answer, i Absolutely, she's yeah. known no the lyrics Googling. to the song. Mm-hmm.
2: And John did come in with a bit more have an answer on the shell grit and it can help resolve soil compaction issues, it can increase the pH of the soil, uh, provide vital nutrients to the plants, uh, which in the case of tomatoes can certainly help with the um, calcium deficiency problem, blossom end rot. And to deter slugs and snails, as the shell grit contains a lot of broken pieces and and ground shells. So slugs and snails don't like walking across anything that sharp. That's right. Mm. Walking, slithering, (laughs) sliding.
4: Walking with their one foot. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. (laughs) There we go. All right, Ross, what else have you got for us here? Well, the next photo that I've got here, or well, one thing that I quite enjoy when you're walking around the bush or through national parks, um, when you find nature's little flower arrangements, mm. so keeping on the lookout for where nature puts flowers together and you don't have to do it yourself. Um, and in this photo, I've got two flowers that came quite close together. Uh, one is the Leshenoltea biloba, uh, mm. and the other one is the Thysenotus um, Uh, one of the climbing thysonotis, I think this was, which is a fringe lily. Mm. Uh, So the fringe lily has three fluffy petals, bright pink. Little fringes on them. Fringes, and and then the leshinoltea is a a lovely blue, a really Mm. lovely blue. And the the leshinoltea bilobas, they're going to start flowering very soon, so that's a good one to keep an eye out for. Mm.
2: Mm. Actually, on that note, one thing I've learned from walking in the bush is that Unlike when we plant out a garden, you know, we put one plant here and we leave a space and we put another plant there. These plants actually seem to have a better relationship together. So um, the the solia, the bluebell, will grow in the shade of a banksia in quite a close proximity or the trigger plant will grow right at the base of, of something else. And some of my orchids will grow at the base of something else and actually be become more obvious after that the, the shrub plant dies down and moves away. So the bush is changing all the time.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to have that diversity. Well, one, because you get to enjoy more flowers altogether. Um, but you're right, the bush, it's almost healthier to have a bit of diversity where You have plants growing in close proximity. Uh, I've heard recently that the soil microbe, the health of the soil with its microbes, it's healthier having at least five different families of plants. Mm. So if you can have more diversity, you have healthier soil, and then the plants will be healthier Mm. and more disease-resistant. It's quite amazing.
2: It and is. I've seen it work. When Mm. we're establishing a hard area like a a verge, uh, it's it helps to understand what's going on in that environment. You know, I look at mine and look at what has survived and if I didn't choose plants or plant them in a way that they were protected from frost, they might not do so well. If they're frost hardy, it doesn't matter. But how often do you see a plant growing out in the open that's quite leafy? You know, they're in the, in a bush setting, they're not like that. They're going to grow in a protected community. Mm. So, things that are pioneer plants like the wattles will establish first. I've got one that's now, the Acacia saligna, is about three metres tall, and that's grown that big in a year and a half. So, wow. with that growing, I now have shade to grow other things. So, yep. it, it becomes a succession.
4: Absolutely. And there is a prostrate form of the Acacia saligna too, ah, which yes. they don't look like much in the pots, but when they're actually in the ground, they are quite amazing.
0: Spectacular. Or spilling mm. over a wall. Yep,
4: spilling ah. over a wall or you could have it as a pot plant, pot plant potentially. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. Okay. Wetting my appetite. Carry <laughs> Fascinating. On. Okay. What are, what else have you got here?
4: <clears throat> well, I've got another one here that I, I should get you to guess what it is, Faye.
2: Oh, come on! Wow. But it's... They're, they're
4: very small little orange berries, mm. and this one was taken with the light coming through. So you have you have the light behind the object you're taking the photo of, and mm. it's quite interesting. The light brings up a pattern in the berry. They yeah, they're they're quite interesting. So this. It's had a name change, but uh, Rigodia Newtons, it, ah. it, and it's changed to Eniata, I think. As, Eniata why, why
0: has everything been reclassified and renamed? It was hard enough, and now it's just got harder. Just to confuse us people all, People like I think. me, I can't keep up with that. Yeah.
4: Rigodia mm. Newtons, and it's actually a bush tucker plant, so you can mm. the berries are edible, mm. um, but they're tiny. So you'd have to collect probably <laughs> a 1,000 berries to get a meal, I reckon. Does oh, it have girl. a common name? Uh, it's a saltbush, so oh, okay. one of the yes. saltbush. Really? Okay.
2: okay, I wouldn't pick mm. that. I I was just going to say it's interesting that you you say you actually have the light going behind the plant because one of the rules when we are taking photos is that we would have the light behind us mm. and yeah. be careful not to shade our subject. So mm. it it's another tip for getting the best out of a photo. Stand with the sun behind you and look at the plant that way. Yeah,
4: you certainly get a better light on the object if it's behind you. Um, the only reason, you you get some interesting effects when the light's behind the object, when it shines through it, but it does make it a little bit harder because you're basically looking at the shadow side of the object. Mm. So yeah, but an interesting effect.
0: Mm. Okay, we're in Naranda. Good morning, Shirley, how are you? I'm not bad. How are you all? Very good.
3: Right, thank
0: you. Look, I'm ringing up to
8: thank you all. You've all opened up a wonderful world to me. I mean, with my garden, I always just have flowers. I love colour, but I don't go into the detail like, you know, all these names and everything. But the, the subjects that you have on there in the mornings is wonderful. The photography that you were talking about today, absolutely stunning, and it makes me think. Now, why didn't I think of doing that fifty years ago?
0: <laughs> oh, um, never too know? late, Shirley. Well, it's never too late. And also, a few
8: weeks back, when you were talking about the bees, oh my God, you just that little world out there is just incredible, isn't it? It
2: it is, Shirley. And I'm I'm so pleased because do you know. Well, I'm I'm sh- pleased to share what I love and that oh, Ross and funny. Ray are enjoying yeah. it too. But yeah. we haven't had a lot of calls on our board, which always worries us. But yeah. if, if we think it's because you're all listening, <laughs> we feel better. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't well, I, matter yeah. how old you are. I remember nice. um, sharing photography with one of our listeners, Althea's husband, mm-hmm. In my garden. They brought me cuttings. We wandered around my garden. And and I talked to Tony about the native bees and the bug hotels. And he was oh, an older gentleman. And he went really? home and he built a bug hotel. And he enjoyed taking photos of native bees. Now, he, he was, you know, a retired age, um, yeah. had been for a long time. But that world opened up to him. It's a new hobby. And gave gave him a new spark At least on and life. it's just yeah. you know if we can do that for one or two
8: people out there our, our work is done mm. it's wonderful um and also talking, the gentleman was talking about the the grubs and that now that grub with a face <laughs> one of you women mentioned it like a cartoon yes well, In 1963, it was my last year in high school, so you know how old I am now, of course. (laughs) But um, it was the last year in high school, and we actually did that, a a painting. We had to do a painting of one of those those, um, grubs, or whatever you're going to call them. But haven't they got a spike at one end? I don't know if it's the face end or the at the rear end. Haven't they <laughs> got a spike going it's, out? Uh,
4: th- this one doesn't, but, yeah, there's lots of different um, grubs and, mm. yeah, the ones with the face on them.
8: And yep. y- it's hard to tell which end is which.
4: Sometimes <laughs> it <true>. is.
9: <laughs>
8: <laughs> well, with that particular grub, you definitely know which end is which. That's for sure because it's covering its back, isn't it, you know? Mm. covering its tail. Well, thank you, folks. I love love your bits and I listen if I can. I listen every Saturday and it just... It makes me happy for the rest of
0: the day. Oh, my goodness, Shirley. Call, call of the yeah. morning. Thank you for that. Yeah. You've made Thank our you morning too. Much. Thank you. Thanks, Shirley. Thank you. Take, Take bye. care. Bye. bye for now. Bye. What a lovely lady. We're in Bakers Hill. Rhonda, good morning. Oh, good morning. Um, I have a question for Ross. Um, well,
6: a couple of questions.
4: Okay, fire away.
6: Um, <laughs> <laughs> when can I cut back a native hibiscus? And can I use the cuttings to propagate?
4: So the the native hibiscus, uh, is. are you referring to the purple-flowered one, the Aliogony huglio
8: Yeah,
6: oh good, I'm glad you said that because I
4: don't know how to pronounce it. No, there's a bit of, con- well, I can't say that I pronounce it perfectly. That's just the way that I say it. Other you people say <laughs> Aliogyn and there's, mm. yeah, it's, it has a lot of different ways people say it. So long as we know what we're talking about, I think it's okay. Um, now is a great time to prune them back. You can prune them back um, and and they do propagate from cutting. So if you've got some rooting hormone and a warmer glass house, then you can propagate them now. Um, but propagation generally is more successful in the warmer months. So if like you were it. pruning them back, when they grow back from that pruning, and you've got that growth coming into spring to summer. That's that that material will be better for propagation.
6: All right. Um, and does that apply to the um, the cultivars as well? Uh,
4: Yes. So I would say in, in general, all of them will propagate better in the warmer months, unless you've got some sort of heating. Um, so now is probably, probably the worst time to take cuttings. Uh, some, yes, definitely. Yeah, some some plants you can do cuttings in winter and they'll grow absolutely fine. You know, mm. they're, they're dead easy. Um, some of the Plectranthus or Scaevola or Eremophilas can cut really well at this time of year. Um, but if you're looking oh. at waxes, uh, grevillea cultivars, you want to wait till the warmer weather, so October oh, right. to February probably, somewhere in that, in that range. Uh, okay. All right, Joel. thank you very much. Yeah, Thanks thank for your you. call,
0: Brenda. <laughs> Cheers. Right. And we're heading to Westminster. Uh, actually, no, you won't, Olga, bear with me. I will just clear a bracket and we'll be chatting to you about your avocado tree in just a moment. Radio. You're with Let's Talk Gardening And our special guest in the studio with us this morning uh, The lovely Ross Hoofer should say uh, A fabulous gentleman And the son of the Xantharia family And you've taken over the business how long ago?
4: Uh, six years is now it, Is it that Doesn't long? Doesn't time fly Wow yeah. Mm. Yeah. You've had a busy six
2: years, haven't you?
4: Yes, It's um. it's been busy Especially... I guess this, uh, because of the whole COVID situation, there's been a massive influx of gardening. And um, I mean, COVID is bad, but more Mm. people gardening is good. So COVID has done some good in that realm.
2: Exactly. I think think the earth is breathing because of it. Mm. That's my positive spin on it.
0: We like that about you, Faye. (laughs) No, I agree. We're in Westminster. Thanks for waiting, Olga. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I just want to know what sort of
1: fertiliser should I put for my avocado?
2: Ah, well last weekend we talked to Chris Oliver in the studio and he was saying that you can fertilise now with an organic fertiliser. So you can certainly do it now.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, Nothing special but... Well, organic,
2: organic. a couple of varieties that you would suggest, Ross, for this time of year? rather than a granular, I'm thinking, because mm. it could wash away.
4: Yeah, I, I find the organic um, fertiliser, so rich do an organic one, um, and probably something that encourages fruiting and flowering um, mm-hmm. is what I would choose. Um, okay. I haven't seen a specific avocado fertiliser. So. No. Mm-hmm.
2: I think okay. there was one being developed, though, by uh, Eco Growth at one point. Because they were quite involved in commercial avocado growing and consulting. Um, And the other thing, too, especially now, Olga, is to give it a layer of mulch. Okay. Okay. There you go. Thanks for your call. Okay, thank you. Right, bye. bye.
0: Cheers for that. And let's head to Munster, saying hello to Susan. Good morning. Hi, Susan. Oh, hi. Hi, Say. Hi, Ray. Morning.
6: Thanks for your uh, beautiful program. It's always fantastic. Oh, thank Um, you. My uh, granddaughter's bought a a house in Armadale, which the garden's full of fruit trees. Um, Now, she's got two fig trees. One's lost all its leaves. The other has got a few leaves on, but it's got a lot of fruit on it. But uh, I didn't touch it. I didn't prune it because... But I don't think... The fruit won't ripen now, will it? Is
2: it no, too late? No, I don't think so. I prune my fig trees when they have dropped all of their leaves and I give them a very hard cut back to around six foot, leaving some main branches and uh, so that I can get a net over them. If they get too big, unless you want to send the kids up there to climb the tree to pick the fruit, it's better yes. to keep them small. <laughs> yeah, I
6: thought that. Yeah. So, um, with this fruit that's on it,
2: um, so I can prune it then. Yes. I should yes, but that fruit off. Yes, but I I would wait until all the leaves have been lost, and I would also clean up the leaves around it, just in case there has been any scale on it.
6: All oh, right. Oh, okay then. Thanks very much. Mm. I'm just waiting to see what well, she's got. All these fruit trees. A lot of them have lost the leaves.
2: Oh, exciting.
6: I know, it'll be interesting to see what we get. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right then. Oh, thanks very much for that then. So You're the other welcome. one was all right. I prune that. I'll wait for this one. Thank okay. you
0: very much. Thanks, and Susan. Thanks for a wonderful programme. Thank you. Cheers, Susan. Bye for now. Bye. Okay. Excuse my voice, everyone. Uh, Maggie from Mandra rings in with a great tip. Uh, she crushes empty eggshells and puts them around her garden. Hasn't had a snail for over 12 months. Yeah, well, I've only Make it hard
2: for them. one snail. It was funny. I, w- I went out looking around the bush and I saw this pile of raised sand, like something had come up. And I I wish I'd taken a before photo, but I just got a stick and I just wiped the soil and underneath was a green snail, which is not a good snail, it's invasive, but we don't get too many of them. And this snail had put itself under the sand and bubbled up around it. It was was fascinating. Mm. Mm. It was just camouflage under sand. They live under the sand,
4: don't they? Sneaky snails. Yeah, but
2: (coughs) it was in the open. Oh, okay. Like yeah. heading to my bushland. Uh-huh. Um, now, Des from Mundaring has asked, are there any more more tips for productive sweet potatoes? I have all leaf and few tubers, which can happen if plants have been given too much nitrogen fertiliser. Now, I guess there are specific fertilisers to produce tubers, Ross, and you would know all about this.
4: Yeah, and, and I guess it's even a general rule that if you put too much nitrogen, it can stop things flowering and stop mm. things fruiting. So so that's why if you have a fertilizer that's more balanced and has a higher potassium, you'll get more flowers. Um, generally, phosphorus is for producing the roots, so for carrots or, or, or root vegetables. Um so, yes, you could have have a fertilizer that's for fr- fruit and veggies um and that'd be the way to go uh You can put on too much nitrogen um from too much manure if it's you know if you're adding a lot of manure to your soils, then that adds a lot of nitrogen um and then some of the fertilizers do have a high nitrogen rate as well like so,
2: lawn fertilizers yeah, like probably... lawn fertilizers exactly mm-hmm. right I imagine one that's targeted to to growers uh, for potatoes would be something like the potato e-manure that sort of says to me that it would be good for developing tubers.
4: Yeah absolutely yeah.
2: But if if you're interested Des have a look when you go to the shop at the the analysis on the fertilizer bags because you can as Ross says uh, look for for the analysis that are geared more towards nitrogen potassium or phosphorus and it's just a way of understanding a bit like reading a food label.
4: Of course now you're not allowed to put a high amount of phosphorus because it leaches into our waterways. Yeah. So mm. so all the fertilizers you buy will have a, a very small amount of phosphorus. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Smaller than they used to. Exactly. Smaller than they used to. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Look, we've got about nine minutes left of the program. We can squeeze in one or two calls if you like nine four eight four one nine two seven back in a sec thank you for your company this morning George Minoldi will be taking the reins over from ten a m with the classic sixties okay, we're going to chat with uh Prue in just a moment from north yonder up uh K-K sent K Senton thanking you guys for your tree suggestions now I know you've got a few things you'd like to. Yes, uh, for more information on fruit
2: trees, there's a great site. It's the rarefruitclub.org.au. And John's come back with some more information for Margaret about the kiwi berries. And they say that uh, probably one that you can source here may be the only one, Japanese sea cultivar, Isai, I-double-S-A-I, it has the advantage of being the only kiwi berry variety that is reasonably self-fertile. So if you were able to get that variety, and if you can get two of them, you will have the best chance. Uh, now, that hermaphrodite, Isai, achieves 30% fruit set with self-pollination and double this with cross-pollination. So 60% fruit set. Mm-hmm. So there we go. And um, Alice has sent in a photo of a beautiful potato creeper or potato plant, Mm. uh, as in the Solanum, the ornamental variety, and wants to know when you would take cuttings of this. Now, I I wouldn't do it now. The plant's flowering. However, when it's finished flowering and you cut it back, you're cutting it back anyway, so that would be an ideal time to... Uh, try striking a couple but certainly in the warmer weather it will it will um, attain better results we also have a question about lawn but I think we'll save this one for next
0: week Ray okay today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977 we're now heading to north yonder up Prue thanks for waiting
6: no problem at all. Um, I have a query. I brought a little golden shower um, about what, two months ago and put it in the ground on the lawn and everything like that. So it was doing beautifully with new shoots. All of a sudden, it's just, the leaves went brown and everything. Now, is it the cold weather?
2: I, th- I think so, yes. I would feel the same if I was planted out in the middle of the lawn in this weather. What <laughs> you could do is put a, a screen around it, uh, just make up a shade cloth, uh, hothouse type environment for it
6: what about plastic
2: plastic yes that would help
5: too
6: okay that's great i've done that right next question i had some very young little hibiscus i put in and all of a sudden the leaves seem to have got like a fungi on them um and what have you again do
2: you think it's the cold weather it might be but i also had a a similar problem when i overdosed with blood and bone and i remember my plants defoliated and they they looked quite like that uh once again if you can give them some protection and hang in there until warmer weather spring is only 66 days away Prue. not that face counting <laughs> 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 right.
6: okay now thirdly you know on vincus
2: how the leaves all curl up is that a funky <laughs> <You know> that- <laughs> It can be, but they don't like the cold. Yeah. And it sounds like it's cold where you are. It is,
6: virtually, yes. Um. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so really, if I lose them. I have actually, where the vink has been cutting the right back, and there's little new growth right at the face. So I have been chopping them back and just leaving it, but it might be a bit soon to do that, would you say?
2: I, I wouldn't cut them back now. And okay. if they survive the cold weather, I think it's a colder winter this year than than it has been. In other recent years, uh, I would probably be looking at replanting when they come into the nurseries later in the year. Okay,
6: cool. All right, lovely. Thank you very much. for Thanks,
0: Thanks Prue. Good on you, Prue. Cheers for that. Bye. And we're heading to Gosnells talking
9: about a cactus. Jackie, hello. Oh hello. Um I've got um a succulent cactus. It's an Africana and another word beginning with K. I've forgotten. It's got the card in there. It's in a pot, um ceramic pot medium size. My son bought me it last August for my birthday. It was a winter flower. It's was covered in buds and flowered beautifully. And um it's it's just starting to get its new buds on now, but I was a bit slat like getting onto this. It started about a month or so ago, it started to get a white sticky substance in the middle of the rosettes on two or three of them. And it's, it's drying away now, but you can still knock it off in chunks. And I just wonder what it was now to stop it coming again. It doesn't seem to have affected the buds at all. But, and one of the branch stalks has started to shoot away, so it's not the same even height that it was before. But,
2: it sounds a bit like a soft scale, a mealy bag or a cottony cushion yeah. scale. Um, and in which case, yes, best if you can remove them and cactus, you don't want that too wet at this time of year. Uh, Methylated spirits on a cotton bud and dab it or, you know, physically remove with your fingers.
4: Yeah. Well, um, if it's the African milk tree, like a cactus, then it's in the euphorbia family and that can have a milky sap. So I don't know, it, does it look like sap or. It's very
9: on. sticky, and uh, yeah. it's, as it's dried up now, but it, it can come off in little ah, chunks so when I, you touch it. So I think Even it's, it's probably the little black the spots on the leaf as well. So. Right.
4: So if there's any physical damage, there could be sap coming out, and that sap is actually quite toxic. So yeah. you want to avoid yeah,
2: touching it or eating it. I not any on it at all. Mm. Yeah. Mm, okay. Just yeah, keep it dry. Just keep an eye on it. It does sound like it's sap, not bugs.
9: Oh, okay. so I looked online, and there's something you can use part vinegar or something. Which, if it is, uh, suggested either merely bugs or um, something the, else. I'm the sure. best way it burns it, but it might burn the
2: leaves. Okay, <laughs> Jackie, if you can send us a photo, that will be the best way for us to accurately identify it. Yeah. Um... We can put you back to Bev, and she can give you the email address.
9: Yeah, okay. Okay. All thank- right, uh, thank you. Thanks,
2: thanks Jackie. Jackie. Put you on hold. I know that might be difficult, but mm. to yeah. to actually see it is probably the only way to accurately be sure. Yeah. Ross,
0: thank you so much. And yeah. I, I I admire your fabulous interest in hobby and what you do. How long have you been into the photography?
4: I don't know. You forget these things, yeah. <laughs> but um, certainly a while, and yeah. it's, it's a... Uh, I really enjoy it, and I love to share it with yeah. other people Like-minded who also people. like photography. Um, There's a whole world out there and it's very Mm. exciting and we keep learning and discovering new things.
9: inspiring
0: other people. Mm. Okay. No, thank you very, very much for your time today. It's been lovely. Thanking Bev and John, of course, and Faya Karo. And uh, I have a a gardenism that does hark back to autumn because I know I drive all our listeners crazy with my fascination of autumn. They love it, Ray. This this, uh, quote was sent in by a listener. Autumn is so enamoured with sunsets that it paints one on every single leaf. Oh, wow. Isn't that pretty? Mm. Okay. All right. It's been great having everyone's company this morning. We appreciate very much. Stand by for the classic 60s with George Minoldi. Happy gardening and uh, enjoy this rain. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.